You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Believe it or not, David and I are going to talk a lot about hacking. The beginning of the show and the end of the show. It really wasn't even planned. Plus, a lot more. Enjoy. Fan 218. I'm Tim Robertson and joined by David Cohen this week. Hello. But not next week. Not next week. Next week, I. This week, I'll have to pay a penance. I'm actually going to record a show next week. Yeah. um, Friday or Saturday, I'm not sure which. Uh, Differently than we've done for a long time, I'm going to use my portable gear and I'm actually going to go to Chad Perry's house and he's going to co host with me. Cool. So that'd be fun. Yeah. So talking of portable gear, do I sound any better than I normally do? A little bit. Yeah. A little bit better. Because I'm using a better microphone. Oh, heaven forbid. What's wrong with you? <laughs> so uh, I, I actually I spotted this on Amazon Prime Day. Yeah. Uh, and it is a... Uh, what's it called now? Samson Meteorite Mic? You like yeah. it? Meteorite, yeah. It's very cool, actually. It's a little tiny but it's about the size of a golf ball uh but it's a proper capsule um studio grade microphone uh and this ball sits on a little magnetic stand and it runs a usb cable the usb cable is the microphone's been designed so it works straight off an ipad directly into a, a usb connection kit without giving you any of the errors that pretty much everything else does on the ipad really so it's a very nice setup because it means i can as, you, as I think I mentioned before, I, I sit recording in my bedroom now because it's the quietest room in the house. Uh, and I can sit on the bed with my iPad and just Skype very conveniently from there without having to have the uh, MacBook Air out and all of the, the usual stuff. Awesome. So, yeah, it's pretty good. Well, it sounds good. Yeah, and it'll be, it'll be, this, this'll be, uh, this, this would be a great rig for going over somebody's house and doing a show yeah. because it's, uh, it's very, very compact. Well, what my rig is basically is... Um an XLR microphone with a, an adapter cable plugged into my iPhone. Mm-hmm. Can't get so too much. Also. Yeah. Yeah. And I've had it for years and it works great. <laughs> so, uh, a lot of things going on right now in the tech world, David. Crazy, crazy. It's, uh, you know, I, the, probably the thing that's got my attention the most right now, uh, if I'm being honest and it, let's be honest, why wouldn't I be honest? is a piece of software, malware, for Android that came to light called RS or RCS Android. And it's uh, pretty easy to deploy, it looks like. And I have yeah. to wonder why anybody would use Android knowing that this kind of stuff is out there. You know, I've had this discussion a couple of times over the last 12 months. I've I've been doing some work for a UK police force, and they're deploying Android. Um, And, and, you know, it it comes down to, uh, well, there's a combination of things. First of all, there's a perception that iPhones are more expensive than Android, which which it isn't for enterprise-class deployments. Uh, And secondly, there's an idea that if you need to manage iPhone, 
you need Apple stuff to manage it with, which again isn't true. But that that kind of, those those impressions are stuck inside senior management's mind, and and at the same time they they seem to think that the noise the noises about security and Android are kind of a, a, a fake, you know that that it's just media media hype, and this this just proves it's not. No, it's not fake. It's a big problem. I would never ever run sensitive data on an Android phone until Google does something to address these issues. Uh, and I'm not saying these things can't happen to Apple, but from what I've seen, it hasn't happened to Apple because they control the ecosystem. Exactly. You know, you, just, you're not yeah. going to get the source code to iOS, and you can to Android. Yeah. So yeah. Google has left it wide open for these kind of things to happen, and they take none of the responsibility for it. None. And that's kind of what bothers me about what's going on. And look, they just had their their earnings report, and they did really well. And, in fact, they, they did better than they've done traditionally in the past, especially on spending, which they attribute to um, they've got someone new there that's really helping. But it comes down to they just didn't spend as much money. They didn't buy more companies. Mm-hmm. And when you open source something like a telephone operating system, you're opening yourself up. To these kind of things, malware. This is yeah. what RCS Android can do, <clears throat> and I'm getting this from I think Ars Technica. Um, yeah, the originally I think it was uh, Trend Micro, which is a uh, well, that was a blog uh, post. But, yeah, they were the AV provider who who picked up on this. Uh, the ability to capture screenshots using screen cap command and frame buffer direct reading, monitor clipboard content. Collect passwords for Wi-Fi networks and online accounts, including Skype, Facebook, Twitter, Google, WhatsApp, Mail, and LinkedIn. What they didn't put in there is any app that you might be using for your bank. Record using the microphone. Collect SMS, MMS, and Gmail messages. Record location. Gather device information. Capture photos using the front and back cameras. Collect contacts and decode messages from IM accounts, including Facebook Messenger, WhatsApp, Skype, Viber, which I've never heard of, Line, WeChat, Hangouts, Telegram, and BlackBerry Messenger. Capture real-time voice calls in any network or app by hooking into the media server system. No, it's, it's bad mojo. Um, very bad. And the thing is, you know, listeners may be sitting there thinking, well, you know, if you only download apps from the Google Play Store, they have a level of vetting on them. And uh, if anybody finds this thing in a Google Play app, then Google will pull it very quickly. Oh, no. This is basically like running Windows 98 15 years ago. Yep. This, uh, you can go to a URL, which can be sent to you via text message, sent to you in an iMessage or a, a Google message or a Google Plus Hangout or an email even. Click on that, and it'll it'll use two vulnerabilities in uh, Android operating systems to actually deploy this thing directly off the web. Just like if you get malicious malware on your Windows PC. It's amazing that this is out there to this extent. And again, no responsibility from Google. Nothing. Well, look, look I, I'm sure Google will at some point, fix the vulnerabilities that this thing exploits. 
uh, and make it harder to, to... The thing is, this isn't just one piece of malware. It's actually about 15 or 20 exploits all bundled up in one package. This is effectively um, the sort of thing that script kiddies use. Yep. Uh, on the Windows platform, you know, it's something you go and you say, here, you got this. It's got 15 different ways to infect a, infect a computer. Stick this on, a, on, a, on an ad page somewhere and then program a server to, to take stuff from it and you'll be able to get on that. I mean, this is huge. You know, this is really, really bad. And, uh, yeah, most Android users just have no idea. Uh, something else in mobile that really cracked me up. This is an article that I skimmed over. I didn't read the whole thing because it's ridiculous. From Recode, the website. Mm-hmm. I learned the hard way. Don't install iOS 9 beta on your primary phone. Really, dude? Yeah. Really. Don't take a piece of beta software and put it on your primary phone. Really? You just learned that the hard way now? Freaking it. Who? And, and this is what? somebody who writes who writes for, uh, you know, one of the purportedly big uh, tech sites. You'd imagine those guys would be relatively tech savvy. This guy obviously isn't if he's going to put beta software on his main iPhone. Oh, hey, hey who, uh, I can't believe we do this. Idiots. Well, what do you, how come, how come my apps don't work anymore? <laughs> you know, and, and, and actually that's a, a kind of a side thing to this is Apple this week actually stopped people from reporting, um, that for reviewing apps on the app store if they're running iOS 9 beta. Because sure enough, no, most of the negative re- reviews that people post are people running iOS 9 beta saying, well, this app doesn't work. It's, it's stupid. It's rubbish. Mm-hmm. But they didn't stop it in the Mac OS store. In fact, you know, during Fireball, John Gruber's got a a post up about the differences that Apple treats the Mac App Store and the App Store, iOS App Store. Mm -hmm. They do treat the Mac App Store like, you know, a second-class citizen. Oh, I completely agree. I mean, it's kind of embarrassing. Uh, Yeah, definitely. Uh, They they just basically let... um they have all you have all the negatives of the app store with very few of the upsides. Yeah, <laughs> you know you don't get you don't get the big reach, uh, you don't get the same level of promotion. Yet you're still paying your thirty percent. Um, you don't get any of the protections you get in the iOS store. You don't get the same levels of code vetting. Um, the if when apps get kicked out of the Mac App Store, they're normally not reinstated. Well, you know if the if the guidelines are a bit screwy, um, or like they are in the iOS store, um, it's. You know what? Mac developers are having a tough time with it at the moment. They really are. There is a disconnect between <clears throat> Apple's reported... And look, they just had their quarterly report, too, and they've done better than they've ever done before, of course. Uh, they're actually over $200 billion now. Um, they keep showing that the Mac is growing, where the rest of the PC market is just falling on its face. It's really bad. If you're a PC hardware maker right now, it's really bad. Even though we would both agree that there's some really, honestly, great PCs out there now. Yeah. Especially in the tablet slash laptop market, mm-hmm. the the things that combine them the best, uh, the Android, or I'm sorry, the uh, Chromebook stuff, uh, and Windows 10 is right around the corner. In fact, yeah. next month. Uh, yeah, next week, actually. Next, week next today, week. I think it's coming yeah. out. Well, that's still next month, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> There's some really good stuff out there, but 
boy, I wouldn't want to be a, a PC hardware manufacturer right now. Well, I think the problem is the PC hardware manufacturing model is broken. Um, you know, the margins are razor thin and have become even thinner over the last few years. Um, the level of support expectation, partly because of mobile, has gone up. Um, people expect to get the same sort of uh, quality experience they get on a mobile device uh, on their PC. Uh, and that's, I think, in my opinion, that's one of the reasons that Apple does so well, is because even with the problems in the Mac App Store, the actual experience of running a Mac is a much smoother and nicer experience than it is running Windows on a PC. You think um, Windows 10 is going to change any of that? I, I think Windows 10 will improve some of that. They're moving. They're making some changes in Windows 10. They're moving away from these big you know, service packs and big releases. They're basically now saying Windows 10 is just Windows 10. There's no 10.1, 10.2. It's just Windows 10, the version, and you will get updates in the background like you do on your phone. Uh, and nine times out of ten, you won't be asked about those updates. They'll just come down because we've got this and we'll do this and we'll, we'll carry on with this. Um, and I think that's probably the right way to go. That's the way Apple's gone as well with their update system. Um, and uh, I think I think they're moving to much more of a, you know, the, the operating system is, is part of your life, but it's not everything that revolves around you. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, generally, the, you know, Windows 8 got a bad rap, and, and don't get me wrong, particularly the original version had some serious flaws in it. But actually use Windows 8 for one today, it's not too bad. Windows 10 has improved it further. This is, this is like the Windows 7 polish the Windows Vista was. So, uh, yeah, I think, you know, it's going to do pretty well, and I think most people are going to like it more than what's gone before. But I don't think it's enough to, you know, revitalize the PC market. Um, I, I think there's an awful lot of people who hold off upgrading the PCs for a longer and longer time. They've got the same problem with PCs that you've got with, with uh, iPads now, that the PCs are now so powerful and so good that there's not as much reason to upgrade them every two, three years like you used to. That's right. So... Is there something they can do? I mean, I look, the Chromebooks are coming on strong. Yeah. So, well, well, so I, they're know, selling. I think, I think Windows has actually positioned itself fairly well on, against the Chromebook in that there are some very decent PCs and laptops now that run Windows for very little money. The same sort of money you spend on a Chromebook. So, um, you know, that's, that's probably the right move to make because I think if they'd have just stayed in the... $500 plus PC range, and I think they would have had their lunch eaten. The netbooks prove that people have an appetite for cheap computers. Uh, and I think also as well, it, it defends them somewhat against tablets by having cheap computers. Yeah. So I think they're, they're kind of short up to some degree against that. But the problem Microsoft has got now is that, is that it's actually about brand awareness. And, and I don't think Windows as a distinct brand is still very clear in people's minds. Um, and a lot of these PCs, you know, they have... No matter how good the operating system is, the OEM, who did, this is the same as we were just talking about with Google and, and Android. You know, Google Android is there, and then you give it to the OEM, who actually deploys it on their hardware. It's not a coherent ecosystem. Windows has the same problem. And that's kind of what I was thinking about myself, that I think what Microsoft really needs to do, and I think Windows 10 is going a long way towards this, but it's not taking that big final step, is cohesive i.e. it's the same experience no matter what screen you're on. I, I think Microsoft needs to get in living rooms. They need to have their operating system look the same no matter you're playing the Xbox, on your Windows, on your phone, on your tablet. 
Um, they obviously they they need to make stop making really bad decisions like Nokia. Yeah. Um, I, you know, they need to push Windows everywhere, but they tried that before and it kind of failed on them, didn't it? Well, I, I, I think part of the reason is, as well as that they're, I think the, the actual marketing they do is often pretty terrible. <laughs> you uh, don't say. You know, I, I, I just, I just think they, they, you know, they, they spend an enormous amount of money and don't get a lot of traction for it. Yeah. And, and there's nothing wrong with spending a lot of money on marketing. It's a, you know, Apple spends a lot of money on marketing. Samsung spends a lot of money, money on marketing. Um, you know, they, the problem is, I, I think that the difficulty Microsoft always has is they don't stick with anything long enough. They, uh, you, as soon as something is not immediately successful, they start to veer away from it. And what's happened with Nokia is a prime example. They go and buy probably the biggest manufacturer of their phones. Yeah. And effectively, they kill all the phones as part of that thing and write seven and a half billion dollars off at the same time. Yeah, I, it's, I, I it's, don't understand It's an insane it. decision. Well, it was the last big decision Balmer made. Even though he knew he was on his way out, he still made that deal. Yeah. And, of course, like almost, like almost every decision Balmer seemed to have made at Microsoft on his own, it was the wrong decision. Balmer left on his own at Microsoft was a colossal disaster. But but I what I don't understand is... Now, for a start, I, I don't give Nadella a pass on that because he was on the board at the same time. Yeah, but he didn't uh, have any real power. Well, no, I think he did. I mean, he was he was the heir apparent. He, uh, you know, he was in the running to become next CEO. He was a board member. If you're if you're a board member capable of running the company, you should be able to be a board member who can stand up and say, "I don't believe in this decision, and this is why." Well, my understanding uh, and, is a lot of people did that during the whole Nokia thing before well, that sale was finalized. A lot of people in Microsoft, in fact, most of the company thought it was a terrible idea. My understanding was um, half the board members didn't agree with it, but Balmer got his way. Well, that's that's kind of crazy, really. If um, I agree, you know. But the thing is, is, is one, once you become CEO and you've got that thing, I think you've got to try and make the best of it. What you don't do is, is within two years, you basically throw all that money out the window. I, I don't know. I don't. I, I don't think they ever tried to make the best of it at all. I don't. Well, they, I, they ever, never had a plan. I think no. that's the issue. They they bought it simply because it was the biggest manufacturer of Windows phones. One of the biggest phone companies in the world. And they owned a lot of patents. But they didn't actually have a plan of action for, okay, it's done, Dio, we buy them, then what? They, there was nothing after that, and that was the problem. Well, right, so fine. But then, in that case, come up with a plan that makes it work. But maybe there well, isn't a way to do that. When you look that, at the market shares case, out there that... It, yeah, in Android that case, and Apple is just killing everybody. Well, in that case, just spin it off again. Why just make everyone redundant, lay them all off, uh, and then write off the money? Effectively, that means Nokia has been vaporized. Yep. It's like they were nuked from orbit. Yep. Uh, and so now your biggest manufacturer of phones no longer exists. Yep. So what's the upside on that at all? Yeah, you've saved yourself a business headache figuring out what to do with them. Why not? Why not spin them off back as an independent company again? Hell, you know what? You could have sold them to the to the uh, government of Finland. They were desperate for Nokia to come back. Yeah, but unfortunately, it probably would have went to a Chinese company. <laughs> well, who cares? You know what? Sell it to a Chinese company with golden handcuffs on that says for the next five years, all you make is Windows phones. 
I don't. I don't. I, I think what Microsoft really wanted was the patents. the The business of making the phones, at this point in time, anyways, doesn't make sense to Microsoft. That's my guess. I mean, what Apple has a twenty percent market share in phone sales. Is that what they have, or is it less than that, or is it ten percent? Apple. Yeah, um, I'm, not, I'm not sure how much they have. I'm gonna, um, you know, I'm say, I think it's. I think it's more than twenty percent, but it's not. Nah, I'm I think, talking about I think how many the they sell. Now. But in profitability, how much money they make? They make like ninety-five percent of the profits. Yeah. So they don't own the market, but they own the profits. The rest is all Google. So where does another phone company fit in? Running yeah. a different operating system. It has become a, a, a two-pony race. It's it's these two ponies, Apple and Google. Now, yeah. Apple's making all the money, but Google's selling more of the platforms. 43% in the U.S., by the way. Apple. In the U.S., but I was talking about worldwide. Uh, let me see if I can find worldwide numbers. Because it was, it was staggeringly small compared to the profits that, that they make. I mean... If your company is selling that much less into the market, but you're making that much more money, what the heck are the other companies doing? What? And here's the thing: when Apple entered the entire cell phone industry back in 2007, and you and I were, you know, into technology. Hell, I was podcasting at the time already, let alone owning my Mac now for 20 years. It was a race to the bottom in the cell phone industry. It was getting the cheapest phone you could possibly get for free most of the time and just signing a two-year contract with the cheapest phones. Although I will say that the voice quality of those cheap phones was probably still better than what we're getting today. Um, But they were cheap little Samsung flip phones. They were cheap little rockers, you know, cheap little razors from Motorola. And that's what the industry was. And Apple came in with a premium product. They got laughed at by everybody in the cell phone industry. And now Apple reaps all the money. Yeah. Yeah. So what is Android doing now? They're they're following exactly the same thing that Apple came in and destroyed the first time around. I don't get it. Well, unfortunately, I think they, they only know to do what they know to do. I think that's the problem, you know. This is this is an, the the industry in general is 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 ruled by financiers, and the financiers are wrong headed. Look at the reactions every time Apple produces results. Yeah, that's true. Oh, you you didn't you didn't you didn't hit the targets that we <laughs> only in the financial industry could you come up with a number for saying this is how many I think you're going to sell, right? Based on your kind of spreadsheet analysis of who knows what. Yeah, and then when Apple releases the actual numbers they sell of phones, you go, oh, well, it's lower than my number. Therefore, Apple has failed to hit, hit their targets, and they lose stock, stock value, it, rather than the analyst saying, oh, well, I got it wrong. It's crazy. You know, it's, it's bizarre. And you know what? That would be fair enough if, if Apple was teaching on the edge of oblivion and every single phone sale they made made a massive difference. But they're the most profitable company on the planet. You know, oh, got to got to sell. They didn't hit my targets. Well, Amazon is worth now more in market cap than Walmart. Yep. And yet, Walmart makes actual profit. 
Five times well, that of Amazon uh, uh, well, in revenue. The peculiar thing with Amazon this week is that they actually made some money. <laughs> they made nearly $100 million in profit. Yep. First time. You know, it's, it's uh, whereas last year, they, same quarter last year, they lost $120 million. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, uh, I, the thing with Amazon is that, you know, again, I, I, I'd say, like Apple, I don't understand what their business model is, but they clearly have a plan. And, and they, are they seem to be to doing their, well because you and I keep uh, buying stuff from them. Exactly. You know, I'm talking to you on my Prime Day microphone right here. You know, Prime was Day actually, was a. Prime Day was a brilliant marketing exercise. Yeah, absolutely. I, no. I kind of wish I wouldn't have missed it, but it, that came that Amazon Prime Day was the same day I went to Michigan's Adventure that I talked about last week. Yeah. So I yeah. missed it completely. Although I will say I went back and looked, and I, I don't know, David, it, for as much PR was put out about Amazon Prime Day, I didn't see anything that I was like, oh, I wish I would have been able to get that. I'm, I, I'm, I'm actually strongly of the suspicion with Amazon that the offers you see are different for different people. So actually the discounts you see base are based on what they think people, you know, and they know your browsing history and they sure. offer you the discounts they think you buy. The whole point, the, the beauty of Prime Day, they, they took more, apparently they took more, more orders on Prime Day than they took on Black Friday. Yeah. So they effectively created their own Black Friday out of nothing. I mean, three, four weeks ago, we'd never even heard of this concept of Prime Day. And they just kind of cooked it up, and everybody went for it. And the thing is, yeah, I mean, I bought um, a Prime a Fire TV stick because that was discounted back to the, the kind of the Prime-only price when it launched. Yep. So I bought one of those. But the thing is, because that was – and that was probably, for me, the only deal that was really worth getting out of bed for. But the thing is, I was on the site, so I looked at some of the other offers. I spotted this microphone. I thought to myself, I need a better microphone. Why don't I just buy it? Now, I don't think that if I'd have gone the day before and the day afterwards, that microphone would have been probably around about the same price. So I don't think it was a special Prime Day deal, particularly even though it was marketed to me as that. But the point is, the concept of Prime Day got me onto the site and got me shopping. Yeah, I got you in the store. And that's that's the trick. Yeah. (laughs) You know? And, you know, it, it... You, you got to give it up to Amazon. The whole Amazon Prime Day thing was everywhere. I mean, it was even on CNN. It was on um, the Telegram, it, te- Telegraph. It was. Yeah. It was everywhere. Everybody yeah. was talking about it, and a lot of people were disappointed by the sales. But how many people bought stuff that day? Yeah, but the, and, and it, you know what? In the the model is exactly the same as Black Friday. We know full well that most of the stuff you buy in Black Black Friday is not great stuff. Right. And a lot of it isn't discounted as as much as it, as it could be or you think it is. But we also know there's a few lost leaders that get bums on seats, people in the stores. And that's what Amazon did. You know, and the best deals on Prime Day was their own stuff. Well, you know, the, the Kindles, the Fire TVs, the Fire Sticks, all of that sort of stuff was was the, the stuff where they, they'd really done some discounting. And, and, and you know what? I think the future of Amazon is not about selling toilet paper or books. It's about selling their own platform. Sure. You know, absolutely. eventually, I think, unless Google smartens up and pulls Android back for just themselves, i.e., they make the hardware and the software, yeah. eventually, it's going to be a three-horse race between Apple, Amazon, and Facebook. Mm-hmm. I and, can see that. You know what I mean? Yeah, because I personally, I think Google's getting way too diluted. Their their brand itself is kind of disappearing. 
You know, yeah. people buy a Samsung phone. They don't buy an Android phone. You know, yeah. I, and I've seen this in people online buying stuff. They're asking which one of these phones are the best. And it's like, it's the same phone. It's the same operating system. Yeah. You're looking at minutia. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, that being said, a couple of weeks ago, I talked about uh, I'm getting a Android phone in for review. Yeah. Uh, a blue. <clears throat> I've got it now. Yeah. I still have to go pick up a SIM card for it, one of those prepaid things. Yeah. But, you know, I've been playing with it on Wi-Fi and stuff. And got to be honest, Dave, it's kind of junky. I mean, it's not... The quality just isn't there. No, well, you know, this, this, you're looking at something from a different segment of the market than what you used to. But here's, you know, here's the smart thing. I just bought, uh, I just bought myself a, a used iPhone 5. Uh, and the reason I did that is because I have an Apple Watch and I'm traveling away next week. And I want to have a beta phone with me that's unlocked and I can put a local SIM in. But also it's going to work with my uh, Apple Watch. So yeah. I still get my nothing that. Now, you know, that's that's integration driving me into to keeping me in that ecosystem. Normally when I travel, I use a Windows phone or I use an Android phone. But now I'm going to stick with Apple phones because I want my watch to work when I'm traveling. You know, that those... Those sorts of they call it in the business. There's a terrible word, but they call it synergy. That that's kind of where it's at, and Amazon understands that. We, you know, I've just bought this Fire TV stick because we've become mad in my house for Amazon Prime TV. Yep. The kids talk. I, I want to watch something on Amazon Prime. Yeah. My wife, she goes looking through what you know, looking for TV series that she can get to on Amazon Prime. She never even thinks about picking up her iPad and looking at, looking on <laughs> iTunes. Yeah, and since I moved the house, I'm not plugged in the Apple TVs, and I don't think I'm going to now, because we do everything on Amazon Prime. Speaking of Apple TV, we've got uh, some uh, feedback about that. So let's take a break, and uh, we'll be right back. And then I'm moving my whole base of operations to Universal Studios. <laughs> Old guys wandering around. I just can't imagine what could possibly, possibly go wrong. <laughs> We're watching you too. Yeah. We're the clueless hosts of the My Mac podcast. Thank you so very, very much for downloading the MyMac.com podcast. We really, really do appreciate it. Tell me about it. <laughs> people like us. Apparently, people like to respond on Facebook to hairy bald guys who said stupid things. N. That's not God's why don't you bring us in? Back here on Tech Fan Podcast 218, Tim Robertson, David Cohen. We'd love to get feedback from you. Easy to do. Simply send us an email, the show at techfanpodcast.com. Uh, you can hit us up on Twitter. It's Tech Fan Podcast. And the same on Facebook. And uh, you're, you're a little bit busy on the uh, Tech Fan Podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Twitter page on, on the Twitter feed. Yeah, I, uh, you know, sometimes. Well, I got. In fact, it was this message that we're going to talk about in a minute. I, okay, I, pop, I have the tech fan pop, uh, configured on my phone to give me notifications whenever we get any um, uh, any re- at replies on Twitter. So, of course, once I was on there, I, I dealt with those. Then I started looking back through the feed, and there was a few things that that I saw. I mean, I was uh, I was trading tw- tweets back and forth with uh, Sean King. Yeah, over at um, um, where, where is he? He's, he's on the loop because uh, Jim Dalrymple on the loop um, is you know one of the well-known 
uh, one of the well-known big Apple commentators, apart from you yourself, of course, Tim. Um, <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. um, he, 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 he said something that I kind of agree with. In fact, I've gone the same route. He said that he's done with Apple Music. He can't deal with it anymore. Um, and the day he, and he wrote a long article explaining all the problems he's had and there's many of the things we've talked about before here on the show. Um, but a particular thing that resonated with me, he said that, that Apple Music had kind of screwed up his iTunes library. Uh, and I had the similar experience. I, for the first time at the beginning of last week, I, um, loaded up my iTunes library, which I've had kind of in cold storage on a hard drive while I've been packing up the house. So uh, I actually loaded it on uh, onto my computer at work because I, I have a I sometimes like to listen to music at work and I thought I would um, I was going to work in a different meeting room so I thought I'd put some stuff on my iPod Shuffle and listen to it in there. So I uh, got my iTunes library up and running again. I was interested to see how it worked with Apple Music and uh, all of a sudden I got all these duplicate um, song entries in in iTunes where basically it was a whole uh, it will be half of an album or three quarters of an album where um, it was running locally in my iTunes library and then Apple Music uh, and iCloud, Apple iCloud Music would see the songs and would say, oh yeah, I've got a cloud copy of that for you as well, you can download if you want. So I got all of these duplicated songs and it took me ages to clean it up and sort it out and at that point I just thought, this isn't, this isn't working for me. This just really isn't working for me. Uh, and uh, around about the time I, started, I thought that, um, this article was posted by Jim and Sean King mentioned it on the feed and I went and read it and went, yeah, you know, I'm with you as well. And I kind of, <laughs> I've turned all the Apple Music stuff off, I've turned all my renewal, I've gone back to Spotify. Yeah, I, it's it's a big problem. And, yeah. you know, I, we've talked about it already uh, more than a few times. And I've yeah. said... Here and on OWC Radio, I don't give Apple a pass on Apple Music. No. They've got way too much experience in digital music. They've got way too many um, music people now employed by Apple because of the purchase of Beats for this to have happened. And it's really, really bad when someone like Jim Darimple, who is not an apologist for Apple, but he's a big music guy, he gets... He's got really good contacts at Apple. Yeah. Right? The people he's at the Apple, guy. he is the guy. The, he's the guy who, when there's a leak, he can just say yes or no. And that's yep, it. Or nope, and you know whether it's true or not. Yep. And that's that's how connected he is at Apple. So I can imagine they, they took this pretty strongly when he, when he did this. Not and only I, that, I but... I he's done it lightly. And, and, and for the issues that he's having... Yeah, the different people saying. he's talked to at Apple, they have no idea. Yeah. You, they, yeah. you don't get a pass on this Apple when you charge 10 bucks a month for something and it screws people's musics up. Yeah. You know, That's... you're, you're all about celebrating the diversity of iTunes and music can change the world and all this marketing crap that you do about music. And then you come out with a brand new product heavily promoted and it deletes people's music. Yeah. That is unexcusable on every level. You know what? There's an awful lot of things I think Apple doesn't get passed for anymore. There is, you know, this argument is starting, you know, when it, when people first started making it, you kind of went, oh, well, yeah, it's easy to say. But I think it is starting to, uh, it's, it is starting to come down now that, um, you know, they, they have hundreds of billions of dollars in the bank. It's, yeah. it's not on now for them to just say, we don't have the resources. We're not big enough. We, you know, we can't do too many things at once. 
just doesn't fly anymore. No, not at all. You can't use that excuse. You can't use the excuse that we had to take engineers off of the Mac OS to put them on iOS to get it done in time. That doesn't fly. You can hire the people that you need to now. I mean, they have, what, billions in the bank? I mean, come on. They could buy Greece right now if they wanted to. They wouldn't really want to buy Greece, though, would they? I mean, who'd want that at the moment? I don't know. You can own your own country. Does it, you can own your own. You, you can own. You can own your own anything. But the point is, is the difference between having a top of the range Winnebago and, and a pickup truck, isn't it? Yeah, Greece was a great country for many, many years. It's still a beautiful place. It's just financially, oi, what, yeah. what a storm they, uh, that is. Apparently, apparently, avoiding paying your taxes there as a national sport should be the limit. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, it's a, it, that's a sad situation. We probably yeah. shouldn't even get into that because geopolitical is not my strong suit. Although I do know a lot about it. It's, uh, you know. Anyways, let's get back to the feedback that we were talking about a little bit, David. Yeah. So so during my uh, my trolling of Twitter, <laughs> um, we got a message from Nathan. And uh, keen listeners will remember Nathan Bargate was the uh, the guy who was asking us lots of questions about Plex and raving about Plex after we'd raved about Plex yeah. a few weeks back. So Nathan said, hey, have either of you guys taken a look at the Plex Connect profile change for Plex Media Server? It's not easier, but boy, it's not easy, but boy, is it good. And I, I read this, I thought, I have no idea what that even is. Uh, I <laughs> knew what it was because when I first started setting up Plex, probably a week in, I thought this would be great if I can get it on my Apple TV since I have yeah. two, uh, but it, there's no official app. And well, this until thing, Apple yeah. opens up the App Store for Apple TV, which God knows if that's actually going to happen or not, I can't imagine that they won't because it just makes way too much sense. And Apple's really good usually about stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but it's not here yet. So, so Plex Connect is a, a, a Plex Connect profile. It's basically it's a Python server that you run, uh, and it then talks to the the Trailers app on the Apple TV. So, and using that kind of hack around route, it allows you to stream video from your Plex server to your um, Apple TV. Right. Because it makes it, it configures the, the media so it looks like a trailer. Right. Uh, and it then sets itself up so that the Apple, um, the Apple TV will go to that server and say, oh, here's a trailer you can watch. And in fact, it's, uh, it, it's 15 it's episodes a, of Breaking Bad. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's a kind of a cool idea. Yeah. If you're into, hacking around and spending hours setting this up and trial and error, right? And I, I said to Nathan, I, and this, I said, look, this is typical with open source. I said, you told me about this. I went searching for it. I found the page, and it took me five minutes reading the page before I could even figure out what it did. Right. And, and I don't understand what it is about. Uh, you know, I God, you've got to love the, the open source uh, guys who do this stuff. They're incredibly clever. They're incredibly talented and inventive. They could code me into a paper bag. I don't understand why none of them can write a single, clear, concise sentence. You, you know, yeah. you look at these pages and you just think, why can you not have a couple of pages at the front that explain what this is, how you set it up, what you to do in language that, Im that implies you know nothing? Because 95% of people don't know any of the stuff you know. 
I can ex- I can tell you why if you want to know. Well, I, I can tell you they, why. Because they like they like to show how clever they are. Yes, that's exactly right. Yeah. There's a superiority yeah. when it comes to that culture. That mm-hmm. well, if you, you don't, can't follow you don't even know how to download and compile a tarball, you noob. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So that's why. Um, but I looked at the instructions like you, and I'm used to looking at those, so I got it pretty quickly, and I thought. Uh, as soon as anything links to GitHub, I'm out. That's that's my like, ugh. It's a bunch of hackery crap. And here's the thing. For the amount of time it's going to take me to set this up and get it working, which will probably break in the next version of uh, the Apple TV update. It always does. And, and there's no... Apple just pushes those out now. I mean, my Apple TV has been updated with new channels and crap. Since, you know, the last time I used it, I turned it on and look, oh, there's a whole bunch of new stuff on here. So they're updating it all the time. And, of course, once one person at Apple gets a sniff of this, they'll change one little line of code and this will never work again. So instead of doing all that crap, why not spend 40 bucks and just buy an Amazon Fire TV stick? Exactly. Why? It's two $20 bills. Yeah. Seriously. Why go through all that crap? Yes, I know you already own the Apple TV, and yes, you should be able to do this. By the way, I'm not directing this at Nathan, by the way. No. I don't want him to think that, wow, he's no, kind of jumping no, in my crap no, here. Yeah. There, no. there, is, there, is a, there is one reason for doing it. Is if you enjoy tinkering and you have the time to tinker. And I used to be that guy. I used yeah, to well, love to tinker with And I still do when it comes to like uh, arcade machines and stuff like That's that. Not, we're talking to a man here who put... Who put um, Curved corner plexiglass on the front of his arcade machine. <laughs> I was I was gonna say that for Chad. Damn it, that was gonna be what Chad and I. Were gonna oh well, you know what you can. You well, know, I would, we, since you said it, I'll I'll bring it up now. Well, you can no no save it for next week. Let's just leave that out there. Everyone could be. Happy Did you like it though? I loved it. Yeah, okay, I loved good. it. I told you I want one. You want to build me one now? <laughs> I I got a sticker coming. <laughs> it's got. I've got. I've got graphics that's going to come for. I'm talking about the uh, the iCade for those who are wondering. What's he talking about? The iCade that I turned into an actual arcade machine. It's it's. So, so, yeah. So look, we're, we're well we're well established on your tinkering credentials, right? However, I I love tinkering, but this is ugh. Why? Yeah. You know, the, here's the difference in my tinkering and and this type of tinkering. I can't just go out and buy cheaply a little mini arcade. I can yeah. get a barcade and completely assembled and looks exactly the way I want it and all that. And it's going to cost me like $1,500, right? Well, it's worth tinkering not to spend $1,500. It's not worth tinkering to save 40 bucks. Yeah. That my time alone is worth more. Just my time. So that's what it comes down to when it comes to tinkering. It's great. On its own, it's a lot of fun. You you will really learn a lot by doing it, by trial and error. That's how I got into computers to begin with. I broke something, and I figured out how to fix it. And I figured it out in a way that it wasn't readily apparent and other people were having troubles with. Thus, I started my Mac to share that information. And I got really good at it. But now, yeah. <laughs> I'm 45 years old. I don't want to be screwing around with Python and hacks and... I'll, I'll just spend 40 bucks, get this uh, Amazon Fire TV stick, plug it into HDMI and a USB port, and I'm good to go. Yeah. I mean, and then it just works out of the box. That's that's right. I, I, I think, you know, you've kind of summed up my feelings on this as well. You know, I I, uh, 
I think you know I, I respect anybody who has the time and the effort Absolutely. to do this and pull it off. And but the problem as well is that when it stops working, what do you do? You're kind of following these these concentrated, difficult instructions. When it stops working, you, you troubleshooting it if you don't understand how it's put together. Troubleshooting it is impossible, yeah. and then you're then you're relying on the open source community to support you, and they're just historically terribly bad at that. Yeah, because you know you'll you'll either get the attitude, or somebody will say you didn't ask the question right. It, it's or, very you know, rare they, you know, that you get someone that's going to be helpful, but it, yeah. it it really depends on the community too. And yeah, I'll go back does. to this arcade thing when I was building this, I had some questions, and I I'm a member of a couple different Facebook groups. One of the Facebook groups, I posted a question in, and people were really rude to me. If you don't know the question today, you probably shouldn't yeah. be in the hobby. And I thought, you know what? Screw you. I'm new at this hobby. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's not right. the way you encourage new people coming in who, by the way, might contribute greatly in the future to this hobby. Yeah, but these, these communities are often very close. Yeah, I don't want to disparage everybody in the open source community. I know not everybody's like that. Mm -mm. But we've all seen those forum threads when you've been looking for a thing where something you'll get somebody who go well actually this isn't really the correct place to be asking that sort of question you really should be in the in the other forum um and uh, and you know you'll get that or you'll get somebody who who uh instead of answering your question will, will say something completely different and then just start a whole new conversation in your thread and never get back to your answer right you know yeah or, i've or, seen that many times that's infuriate i hate that yeah that yeah. that just ticks me off. You know, it, it's look, it's difficult. Online support is difficult, and and I understand these things are challenging. Uh, and of course, you know, nobody should expect if somebody's kind of knocked together a hack, yeah, that they should uh, become like a like an industrial support organization for it for free. I right. don't, you know, you shouldn't expect that. But I I really don't understand why when somebody creates something like this, nobody, even if it's not the person who coded it, uh, has the has the level of interest to actually create clear, concise instructions. Make it easy for people. Wrap it up in installers and... I, I'll give you a prime example of this, like David. When you sent this uh, uh, Apple II extended keyboard, which I'm still using, by the yeah. way, I, I, I kind of like it more now than the Ooh. IBM Model M. It's starting to re-become my favorite keyboard. Uh -huh. It's quieter. I really like the, the feel of it. I think I might go out and search for an American version of it, though. Yeah. Uh, because some of the keys are a little different. Yeah. But one of the problems with this, using this and the iMate to plug it into a modern Mac, is none of the F keys work correctly. Yeah. And I wanted a way to be able to control. I don't really care about screen brightness or any of that. I, I can do that through the MacBook Pro, right? Yeah. That this is all hooked to. Yeah. But I want to be able to turn my volume up and down and mute. That's really the only – and hide everything and go to the desktop because I have to do yeah. that quite often. I just wanted something simple to do that, and I found a hack to do it. it it's a it's an application called Better Touch Tool. Now, this application does a thousand things more and much more sophisticated than what I'm using it for. But for what I needed, it was a simple install. I told it to launch on startup every time. I set the three keys up that I wanted. Well, technically four. And that's it. That's all I use it for. So is that a hack? Yes. Did it take me a long time? No. It took me five minutes of Google searching, a minute to download it. Not even that. It was like 10 seconds, literally. Uh, I launched it. I set my preferences. All told, I invested about five minutes 
maybe 10 of my time in this application and it does what I want it to do. That's the level of hacking that I'm, I'm happy to do. And, and, and anybody creating these, these open source servers, it, it's not, it, they've already done that, you know, figuring out the uh, Apple TV trailers protocol and how to stream video over that to the Apple Trailers app and everything. That's the hard work. Wrapping the work you've done up in a some in an installer that anybody can install without having to go to the command line. That you know, that's the easy bit. So it, it shouldn't really be even if you don't want to document it, just make sure the thing works. Yep. Uh, easily for people. And then uh, and you know, I don't I think as I say I you know, I'm going to preface that again with and I'm not particularly ragging on the on the guy who's done the Plex, um, on the Plex Connect profile work. I mean, you know, it's a it's a cool kind of thing. It just typically you tend to find that these guys they kind of hack these things together. They write these incredible bits of code and you know put a lot of work in, and then they get to the point where it kind of works, and then they at that point they kind of well it's done, and it's like well it's not done. It's it's not done till people can really use it. Well, it's because they're not a professional. I mean, you know, they don't, it's a totally different mindset. I understand their mindset and eventually they grow up <laughs> Yeah. because let's be honest, the people that, that kind of put these things together, it's people that with way too much time on their hands, they're not professionals. They're still learning themselves. They have a inflated sense of ego and they don't, they're not thinking of people farther down the line that might be able to do this easily. They get it to well, the point where it works and that's good enough, and then well, their instructions if, if, are terrible. And yeah, but if you if you if you're gonna if you're gonna take that approach, don't bother posting on the internet. Just share it. Yeah, but you no, can't do that because then you don't get the self congratulations pat. Oh, you yourself share on the it out among a few of your friends, and that's and not enough. Well, you know that that's the thing. If you, if I, my view is you get a, you're going to get much more respect if you actually make it available to everybody. You know, they will say they are making it available, everybody. It's just well, it's not their not, fault that the the noobs the, out there can't follow along, man. They, just they're giving you a, they're giving you a pile of engine parts, and they're saying put these in your car, and your car will go faster. Aren't I clever? Yeah, yeah. And what they're not doing is is actually saying, well, you know, give it to your mechanic and press and do this, and then it will actually work. Yeah, well, heaven forbid. Yeah. I got a recall on my Honda. Yeah, I a, yeah. I got an airbag recall. I, I, had a re- I had a recall on my electric car a few weeks ago. There was a problem with the steering or something. Like that. I don't. It went in. They said they fixed it. Uh, I have no idea what they did or not. Yeah, I got to get a hold of my dealership and say, "Hey, I got this recall notice. When can I come in and get this fixed?" They'll probably be like, "Oh, this is a six month back order on the airbag." Uh, unfortunately, that airbag problem is, uh, is is millions of cars around the world. Yep. So, uh, you know, it is what I, it I, is. Well, I, I, we, we've. We all remember the stories of the Pinto, and it would explode if somebody rear-ended it. And for a long time, uh, Ford tried to avoid. <laughs> it was cheaper to cheaper to pay off the families, the people who got burned to death, and it was to fix the problem. Yep. You know, I'm not saying we should go back to that, but I have to wonder if millions and millions and millions of these airbags have been sold. Um, really, what's the level of what's the level of risk to justify that that recall? Versus the it's a different you know, world, how, man. How how often do they, you know? I guess I guess it's a different matter if it's yours that explodes in your face. Yeah, yeah. If <laughs> if it's your wife driving that car, yeah. do you want to know about it? I do. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think you're right there. It is. Um, I did see Ant Man, by the way. I'm probably going to see it this weekend, so no spoilers. No spoilers. I will say like this it? though: we left the theater and Brooke 
who's loved all the Marvel movies so far. She's way into Harry Potter, and mm-hmm. she's a big reader. We walk out, and she says, that was my favorite Marvel movie ever. Wow. I said, that was your favorite Marvel movie? And she goes, no, that was my favorite movie right now. That's my favorite movie. Oh. So, that being said, I highly recommend um, <clears throat> Ant-Man. Just It's just a really good movie. By the way, uh, let me see. Uh, can you see comments on the iPad app? What, in... Uh, in Skype. Comments? What, you, you mean the messages? Yeah. Like, yeah. I just sent you a picture. Yeah. You can see that? Yeah. Yeah, that... We've talked about this in the past. I finally found the, the little graphical mean. It shows uh, a yeah. scene from The Man of Steel. Kevin <laughs> Costner sitting with a young yeah. Clark Kent on the back of a bumper, or back of a pickup truck, and he says... And it says, DC, the world isn't ready for a Wonder Woman movie. And underneath that, it shows Rocket Raccoon, and it says, Marvel, here's a talking raccoon. (laughs) And you know what? I I watched, again, the trailer for Batman, Superman, Uh and Suicide Squad. They're both very dark, and the type of movies that's like, you know what? I'm going to have to watch these before I let the kids see them. I really am. And then we went and saw Ant-Man, and... Just the difference. It's like, this is fun. This is what we want as a movie-going audience. We want fun, clever, great graphics, surprises, because it's got a a big surprise in it that uh, I didn't know was going to happen. And uh, hold on. (coughs) That was a loud sneeze, wasn't it? It was. I turned away, even. I'm a loud sneezer. Someone sneezed at a restaurant the other day we were at, and I went, oh, wow, that was loud. And Julie goes, that's how you sneeze. That's how loud it is. I, like, <laughs> I apologize now. Um, you know, the way we like these Marvel movies that are fun and, and, and simple, and you can kind of switch off reality and just sit there and enjoy it. I like my tech the same way, David. Not all the time, but most of the time. I just want things to work. I want it to be fairly intuitive on how to use it. Uh, I don't want to, you know, have to dig into the dark parts of this to hack something together to get it working. Uh, It should just work the way I want it to work. And if what I'm using doesn't do it and there's a product out there, then I'm just going to get the product that works. And in this case, it's the Amazon Fire TV stick. It just works. A Roku will work. I I don't need to buy another Fire Arcade stick for Plex, by the way, because... My PS3 is hooked up in the living room. Guess what I can download and use? A Plex media player on there. Yeah. And it works so, fine. So we, so we got a new TV for our living room, um, a 40-inch JVC. Uh, and actually, we didn't choose it. My parents bought it and then found it wasn't suitable for their house. They wanted to wall mount it, and the cables were sticking out the back. It wouldn't go on the wall. So I said, oh, well, you know, as you've bought it now, rather than you return it, I'll buy it off you, and, and we'll have it for our living room. But I, well, I set it up, and it's great, but I noticed it doesn't have... Uh, an Amazon Prime app on it, and it doesn't have Plex support on it. The, in fact, the uh, app support compared to Samsung on this smart TV is pretty poor. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, I, I but you can remedy I, that with forty bucks. Well, I, I know that I know that. Yeah, for the for the um, uh, for for the low price I paid on Prime Day, I have the uh, the Fire TV stick that basically sorts all that out for me. What'd you get? It so like nineteen bucks or something. Uh, nineteen pounds. Yeah. yeah, that's what I paid for my. Uh, first, well, the only one I own really, Fire TV Stick. It was nineteen bucks. I got it on pre-order and 
going to be happier with it. But even, the, you know, look, that's half of what they are now. 39 bucks is on Amazon Prime. I keep saying 40 bucks because I'm just rounding up. But 39 bucks. I If I didn't already have one and I listened to us talking about it, and I have my a lot of media of my own, I hope that we're encouraging people to go buy it because it's totally worth it. If you're a Prime member and you have a big library of non-DRM content, i.e. you didn't buy all your movies on iTunes, Plex and an uh, Amazon Fire TV Stick is a great solution. Inexpensive. Okay. I did buy the uh, yearly uh, Plex thing, by the way, membership. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm yeah. using it all the time. I thought, I want to yeah. give them something for this. Yeah. I'm not really getting anything that I've noticed more than I would have otherwise, but it's worth it to me because... I'm using it all the time, and I want to support companies of products that I'm using all the time, as long as they don't do a bait-and-switch on me, uh, i.e. Evernote. That's another thing that I'm not happy. <laughs> I've talked about now when I try to forward uh, an email to Evernote, it says, oh, you've reached the limits of the number of emails you could send to Evernote without upgrading. Really? If any developer is listening, make a competitor to Evernote. And, and give us one price, and then continue. I'll Microsoft support OneNote, you, man. Yeah. Microsoft OneNote does it all now. I, I you don't. You don't need to have. Don't need to have Office three six five. It does it all. Can I forward emails to it? Yeah. Hmm. Well, I've I actually downloaded OneNote on my iPhone, mm-hmm. and I just played with it briefly. So maybe I'm just going to have to. How am I going to export everything out of Evernote, though? Ah. Mm-hmm. You'll, you'll probably have to pay Evernote Premium for that. <laughs> yeah, probably. I wonder if you can yeah, you want to leave that. Evernote, you've got to pay a premium subscription. <laughs> I mean, I could I could simply print in Evernote and save it as a PDF that way each yeah, note. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll look into that. But I'm sure there I'm Well, I, to be honest with you, you'd probably just drag and drop stuff over. You've yeah. the Evernote client, right? You can probably just drag it straight over to one note. Um, if anyone knows how to do that, let us know. Yeah, at Tech Fan Podcast on Twitter or the show at Tech Fan Podcast. One note. Um, so that's it, David. I'm going to wrap up this episode. Yep. I won't see you for two weeks. Two weeks, yeah. Next week I'm in Israel, and um, I won't be able to do a show next week. So, uh, well, I wish you the best of luck over there. Uh, business related, yes. Yeah. Uh, no, this is this is personal. This is so uh, go to a, a family event. So oh. um, yeah. Well, that's better than uh, business related. So the whole family's going. No, no, just me and my daughter. Just me and the uh, six-year-old. So it's gonna be a gonna be a father father-daughter bonding trip. Oh well, have fun. Sounds like a yeah, good be. time. Yeah. Send me pictures. I will do. <laughs> so if you guys want to get a hold of us again, uh, follow us on Twitter. Um, Tech Fan Podcast. Send us an email. We'd love to get your questions, comments, concerns, and we'll read them right here on the show. And uh, I'll see you next week, most likely with Chad Perry, and I'm going to talk about my latest upgrades to my iCade and much more. See you then.